Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, we have a double dose of fantastic news today, starting off with the fact that the Sabres finally have won a back-to-back after not doing so for two months. They ended up picking up the win against the Penguins on Saturday night, and we have even better news than that, folks. We are joined by one of the most handsome, talented men in Buffalo today, our dear pal. You know him as producer and occasional host on WGR 550. Our man TJ Luckman is back on the pod. Tej, welcome back, pal. How you doing, fellas? We are great, even better now that you're here, my man. Let's get right into it. As we mentioned before, the Sabres now for just the second time this season have won a back-to-back game, coming on the heels of a nice little 3-1 victory over the Pittsburgh Penguins on Saturday night, a little insurrection birthday present for Taylor. <laughs> Uko Pekalukin picked up 40 saves in this one. Gergensen scored a late goal to put the Sabres ahead, and Rasmus Dahlin capped it off with an empty netter, again securing the Sabres with their second back-to-back of the year. Taylor and TJ, let's start off here with this game alone. What did we make of the Sabres' effort and performance in this one? Wasn't exactly the prettiest game by any stretch of the, mad- the imagination. However, they were able to squeak out a pretty gritty win here. What are our thoughts here? TJ, you want to start? Sure. I mean, they were bailed out by a couple of uh, no-goal calls in the first period. And in the third period, they kind of found their legs and were able to get a a uh, goal from Gergensen's at the end, which was pretty s- nice from him coming back and everything. That line was pretty good. Uh, fourth line in general, I thought, was pretty key in that one. And then, of course, uh, Dowling getting the empty netter at the end to secure it all. Really, the first time I really thought they took some sort of uh, initiative into a, into a second game after a win. Mm. Well said. Taylor? Yeah, it's, it, it's really... Uh faint praise I guess to say that while they played well two games in a row but like honestly it is an accomplishment for them this year it's something they really have not done very often so yeah I I agree like I think one person to shout out in particular though would be UPL for sure yeah Mm -hmm. like it was his strongest game in quite a while and it's really encouraging to get two back-to-back good goaltending performances also not something we've done very much this year um, or in the last few years so I was impressed with that I was impressed uh, with the way they played in the third period and frankly, uh, they've just been good in the third period in general. I don't know if you guys saw their goal differential in the third period. It's like one of the best in the league. Unfortunately, the goal differential in the first, first period, period. Yep. is terrible. It's one of the worst in the league. So, you know, figure it out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is definitely a, a good sign here for them being able to pick up uh, back-to-back wins here. The frustrating thing, as we all know, is that there has been a, a lack of win streaks this season, and they have been playing consistently as pretty much like a 500 or just below 500 team. 
just in their last 10 games, including overtime losses. They are 5-5 five and five here. So this is really a key stretch for them to start picking up some wins, and they have a great opportunity to do that. As we've been saying over these next upcoming five games here, we have them taking on Seattle at home on Tuesday. They're, actually, their next five games are all at home. They have Seattle Tuesday, Ottawa Thursday, Vancouver Saturday, and then next week on Monday and Wednesday, they play the Sharks and Blackhawks respectively. So really good opportunities here. As we had said at the start of this current 10-game stretch that they're on, uh, including the last you know five games here, that really this is the big stretch for them here. These are five very winnable games, maybe with the exception of Vancouver, as they've been pretty fantastic this year. But that being said, if you want to get serious about being in the picture here, I think it's imperative that you're picking up four wins out of these next five. What are your guys' expectations for the Sabres as they now have four or five pretty winnable games coming up? Taylor, you want to start us off? Sure, yeah. I think one thing to look at, though, is that I'm pretty sure they've never beaten Seattle. <laughs> I think you are right about yeah, that. <laughs> I'm not sure they ever have. So, yeah, that's I, not that that necessarily means anything, but Seattle's actually been pretty good of late, and they're, they were pretty bad for like the first month and a half of the season and they did what the, we want the Sabres to do which is just have a nice little win streak that vaults you right back into the conversation because in both conferences it doesn't seem like the wild card teams are going to be that good Seattle I think actually might already be in a wild card spot uh which is pretty crazy considering how how poorly they started Their start but, was yeah man. interesting team but yeah so that's one I would flag as a little tougher than the other non-Vancouver games uh but yeah this is absolutely we've said this already like this is not a stretch you can like go three and two in or whatever and this whole stretch you can't just you can't just have a 55 points percentage you need to dominate this stretch because when it gets tougher you i mean we're the, the sabers have been good against good teams this year but that's probably not going to keep up all season so you got to beat the senators and the blackhawks of the world and you said to play the sharks as well coming up right absolutely yeah so for to just catch everybody up to in the playoff race in the west here as we have a nice little stretch of western conference games coming up with the exception of ottawa of course seattle currently is tied for that second wild card spot with edmonton and st louis uh chicago and san jose are at the bottom of the western conference uh san jose last in the league of course 21 points chicago 26 points and ninth uh in terms of the wild card race, so second last in the conference. Ottawa, as we all know, has had an atrocious start to the year, even worse than the Sabres, obviously. They have 28 points in 35 games played. And, of course, Vancouver, atop the Pacific right now with 53 points off to a very, very strong start. Tej, what are your thoughts on this upcoming stretch for the Sabres? I mean, it's a real not good thing that your home record is what it is and what it has been for the past, I don't know how many years, they have not been a good home team. So that's... I don't mean to come in and straight up with a negative there, but no, I mean no. that's it's right true. there. It's right there. They don't have a good home record. Uh, eight, nine, and one this year at home. It looks like. Yep. Um, so I don't know if, if there's any time to get it together at home. It's right now. Uh, figure out what you can do. I don't know. I don't know what their issue is at home. I don't know if it's the the crowd isn't big enough for them or something psychological there. You they don't what? seem to have that advantage that yeah. some teams do in their own in their own barns. So there's that. But the the teams that they're playing, Taylor's absolutely right. They have to beat them, save for maybe Vancouver. Uh, you can't have a situation where they're the only team you beat, mm -hmm. um, which is the situation they've been in a lot this year. <laughs> uh, but if there's any stretch where you want to get back in, you're talking about the standings uh, in the wild card right now. They are, let's see, Tampa, Florida. Yeah, so they're eight points out uh, with a game in hand on Philadelphia in the two spot and uh, 
two games on New Jersey. Uh, like I said, now's the time to go on a stretch. Six points want, out. They're six points out of Jersey, I believe. Sort of, any sort of chance. Did they play today, Jersey? Because... Did they? Maybe I'm I've not got up to date on the I've website. I've got them at 44 points. Yeah, 44 points, and Sabres are at 38. 38 after last night. I think it was 38 after last night. I've, I think that... I just pulled the page up. Huh. This is the Sabres website. I'm, I'm on the Sabres website right now, too. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> we That's love incredible. it, folks. We love it. Uh, anywho. That is bizarre. We love the NHL, though. We really do. The NHL, the internet, HTML, whatever you want. All of it. All of it. Yeah, so... Anyway, yeah, yeah. So six the Sabres, out. now is the time to make that stretch of making up ground that you haven't been able to get all season by not winning more than a game in a row twice. Absolutely. And they cap off next week, too, with a, a matinee against Tampa on Saturday before they head out west again with matchups against the Ducks, the Kings, and the Sharks yet again that week of January 21st. So, again, even as, as you get through, I mean, these are really winnable games here. You're talking about your next, what do we have, three, th six, nine games. Over your next nine games... How many teams are really like definitively better than roster wise? I mean, Vancouver, I think you can say pretty comfortably. Tampa, and maybe LA. I, I think otherwise, these are all games that should absolutely be in play for the Sabres here. So we'll end up seeing what happens, but they need to show up and they need to show up big time. What I want to talk about though is UPL again, as Taylor, you mentioned, absolutely deserving of credit in this one. Shutting the door on the pens, 40 save effort in that three to one victory there. You're getting, you know, you got a back-to-back -back pair of good uh, goaltending performances here as Levi, of course, went into Montreal for his first game in his hometown and, and put up a really great effort on Thursday against the Canadians. So I'm curious for both of you guys, what are we feeling as far as goaltending breakdown goes? Do we think that we need to let it ride to a point where, like, if somebody wins, then you give them the next night as they don't have any back-to-backs coming up until the Anaheim and Kings series? Or do you think you just keep alternating between the two? Any any thoughts on that as far as the, the goalie breakdown? Yeah, I don't think at any point so far in their young careers that either of these guys have proved that they can play a heavy workload or take on a heavy workload. And starting with that Seattle game now, that's, what is that, five games and eight nights? Something like that? Five games and nine nights? Mm. So it's, it's, it's a pretty busy stretch. Uh, I would go with more rotating, but I also, since there's two days off, probably go with UPL against Seattle and see where things go, because there's also always a chance one of them just looks terrible, and yeah. you want to go to the next one. Mm -hmm. Teach, your thoughts? I definitely think Don Granado has been waiting for one of Devin Levi or Uko Pekalukinen to take the reins and go on a run, and it feels like every time one is about to... One, get, uh, I think UPL got sick for a second, couldn't play a few games there, so they called Devin Levi back up, who goes on a nice little stretch of his own, then maybe has a bad couple games, and they're back to UPL, who, again, has put together a, a nice couple of games in the last two that he's played. Uh, Levi won the game on Thursday, UPL won the game on Saturday. I would also go with UPL on, Saturday, uh, on Tuesday against Seattle because... Um, Eight, you, you mentioned about the days apart, but he's he had a great game yesterday. 40 save effort, you said. So I'm always, I'm a huge fan of uh, riding whoever's hot, if you can manage that even. Absolutely, yeah. No, I, I completely agree. I, and I do want to go back to that game last night because, again, it, it wasn't until a, a pretty dirty Gergensen's goal in front of the net that they ended up taking the lead late in the third period there. And 
you know, I, I, Montreal, I think, was a a good example, again, of, of the offense kind of letting some steam off here and, and showing us shades of what we had last year. And I feel like that's what we keep going back to, is wanting to see more of the team with the scoring prowess that they had, uh, you know, in the 22-23 season here. So, I mean, my question for you is, you know, we have this back-to-back here, and I'm not trying to get negative by any means or anything like that. It's more so about being realistic. From what we've seen from the Sabres over these past couple of games, again, one where they were absolutely, they had some of their finishing touch there, as we talked about in our Friday episode. Saturday, they were able to squeak out a, a, a tough win against a team that we had talked about in our last episode has been very good in terms of their goaltending this year, getting a, another strong performance out of Tristan Jari there. How encouraged are we really feeling coming out of these two games here and what more do we feel like we need to see from this Sabres team, aside from, you know, or I guess including the obvious, which is an increased and consistent finishing touch? Uh, I guess just consistency. Yeah. Honestly, I, I, I know that it's kind of an anomaly, but with the first period, third period, mm. goal differential, they just have to start better. They've yeah. had so many bad starts. They've, they've fallen behind in so many games, and it just... It sets the tone terribly. I don't know what that is. I don't know what causes this, but it, that's the one thing they have to do better. I guess the other obvious things, the special teams. Yeah, yeah, we can certainly get to that after this, but Teach, your thoughts? Yeah, special teams is huge. Uh, they started the year great on the penalty kill, and I feel like they've been kind of falling off since then. Uh, power play finally woke up on Thursday, so that was nice. Um, but again, as Taylor said, you kind of want to see consistency from here on that. Um, especially moving forward, I want to see so much more from Jack Quinn. I feel like I've since he's been back, I've already seen so much. Mm-hmm. And especially before the Montreal game, I felt like there were games where he was the only one creating any sort of scoring chance of any player on the ice. Uh, so I want to see them, you know, tap more into that. It seems like on against Montreal, they were able to kind of figure out. Um, Different ways to use Tage Thompson on the power play, which I thought was great. He finally, they finally took him off that wall there where he has a great shot. Kind of put him on, had him moving around a little bit in the zone, and guys were following him, and it's like, that, that's where's that movement been from him for a while? And you know, you understand that his shot has been great from there, but he can clearly do more. Completely agree. I, I think that's really what a lot of it comes down to, and we, I think we've mentioned this on the past couple of episodes, but that there really hasn't been a lot of creativity in terms of like game plans from Granado, and I think it's especially evident in how the power play has looked this year. It's just been like so stagnant and not enough cycling, not enough like wheeling and, and, and movement in the offensive zone there. It feels like it's, again, just like this case of guys being flat-footed, and it was nice to see that there's maybe a little bit of that starting to creak through the blinds there a bit. As far as the lineup goes, though, I mean, they've been pretty consistent with keeping intact that top line, Skinner, Thompson, Tuck, and then the you know the second line of Quinn Cousins, Paterka, third line of, of Greenway, Middlestat, and Benson. So just in terms of the top nine, how are we feeling about that? I mean, I know Granado is going to continue to roll with it as they've had these back-to-back wins here, and it's something that I think that we can all agree he feels a, a certain level of comfort with. You know, especially that top line, it feels like a lot of times, like even when he switches, he'll revert back to that if he feels like they need some kind of a spark or if he's getting a little worried, whatever. But do we like the the top nine as is constructed right now? I mean, as we're talking about Jack Quinn and maybe needing to get more opportunity is there any flexibility there when it comes to maybe, you know, cycling things around or do we like where things are and think they should stand pat? 
I think when it comes to, I mean, you have that Tage Skinner um, uh, tuck line that's always worked really well, and I think this is really the first year where I think they've run into issues. But I think when you look at the team as a whole, the five-on-five play hasn't been a humongous issue. Um, I think shooting percentage-wise, they're one of the top ten teams in the league. Uh, It's just that they... This year, they have not gotten as many chances or shots to create chances. I think, uh, I don't have it up on me, but I Megan Chaika had a graphic a few weeks ago that the Sabres were one of the worst teams in rush chances, mm-hmm. uh, giving them up and going, uh, and chances for. And that chances for is one of the areas they excelled in last year. Yep. Uh, so that was concerning. Uh, but ultimately, the... Save percentage has been down on, at 5v5. Um, I know when I looked the other day, that was very close to the bottom of the NHL. So I I know goaltending hasn't been the biggest problem this year, but it, it hasn't not been a problem. Like we were saying before, nobody has really been able to gain control of the net. Eric Comrie right. has pretty much been taken out of the equation at this point. They put him on waivers. He, he cleared uh, so I don't think we really have to worry about the three goaltender problem anymore. But what can you do to make those special teams better? And I think moving forward, that should be the biggest focus uh, more than their top nine or what's going on there. Yeah, I want to just jump in on that because you do bring up a great point with the rush chances. And I think that ties in with a few issues that the Sabres have right now. For one, yeah, as you mentioned before, and as that great graphic from Megan Chaika had showed, they have not been nearly as good on the rush this year, generating chances off the rush. But I think that also speaks to the problem that, I don't know if you guys are noticing this as well, I think it's pretty evident, but it doesn't necessarily matter if it isn't a rush or in really most other circumstances, they are a mess in the neutral zone. Oh, yeah. They are a mess. Like, it feels as though there's... Uh, you know, not a lot of sustained zone entries for them, for one, but just when they're, like, carrying the puck through the ice, they don't have the same, I feel like, ease with which they had that last year for guys to just kind of, like, break through ru- break through the rush, get in over the blue line, and set something up. It feels as though now it's there's been a lot more reliance on pretty ugly dump-and-chase kind of play when... We all know the makeup of this Sabres forward group. Like they, they don't necessarily have a ton of guys that are monsters on the forecheck, those tough-to-play-against type of guys where maybe you can succeed with that style of play a bit. There's a lot of skill on this team, and it feels like they are not finding nearly as many solutions in terms of, of zone entries and, and clean play in the neutral zone as, as they should be with a team that has the talent that they have. So thoughts on that. Is that something that you guys are seeing as well as an issue? Yeah, it almost kind of seems like they got figured out a little bit mm. last year's team, mm. and they have not adjusted to that. Yeah. You can kind of trace a lot of problems to that. Uh, that might even be true for the power play as well. Uh, That's, is it, so is that a Granado problem then, you know? I think so, yeah. That you have, you, you know that this thing can work, but if you aren't able to make adjustments, it, it feels like that's something that has to go back to the coach. I mean, of course, I think it's fair for everybody to expect that after last year's career years for several guys that there was going to some degree be uh, a level of offensive regression here. I don't think anybody thought it would be to the degree that it is right now. I, I mean, you look at, like, Darlene. Like, I know he's leading the uh, defenseman in goals, but 
even though he there has been production there, I really have not loved his game relative to the money that he's yeah. going to be making into the role that he has on this team and what this team needs him to be. Like I, I don't particularly love it that much. And obviously, you know, Tage has been well documented. Cousins has been well documented. Um, and I just think that there's something to that. And not that every episode I, I keep trying to make it seem like I'm calling for the coach's head or anything like that, but it kind of feels like that's where all of these avenues are, are, are pointing back to is Granado with these issues, right? Yeah, it, it does. What, what do you think, TJ? I, I feel that way. Yeah, I mean, you have to have more than one thing that you can throw at a team. And I do think that at the beginning of the year, Granado was trying to make that a thing and trying to find other ways to beat teams. So mm-hmm. I do think that's part of what they struggled with earlier in the year. Um being able to go back to the offensive run and gun team is is great against teams where that don't stifle you in the neutral zone and I think like a lot of teams have figured out that that's all you really need to do against the Sabres. Uh the other thing that's kind of crept back up into their game and a thing that like you really haven't seen since uh the Dan Bilesma days but oh, that's <laughs> the stretch pa- the stretch pass along the neutral zone mm. to try to make something happen mm. happens way too often. Hate that. And to their credit, it worked a lot last year because Dowling is such a good passer from the zone. But it's almost sure. like he's relied on that to keep working, and teams have figured out he's looking for that. So um, Dowling, more than Owen Power, I feel like a lot of people have given Owen Power a lot of business this year. And I, yeah, sure, he's made some gaffes. He's night. He's night. He's twenty. Like okay, cool. Like. That's what I expect. I, I made some gaffes when I was 20. Right, yeah. <laughs> Didn't we St. Bonaventure was Didn't never we? the same. For <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's one of those, I don't think it's going to be a problem where Don's not going to let him work through that, where Ralph Kruger almost like babysat Rasmus Dahlin yeah, too much. Yeah. Uh, but there's also some things that have crept back into Dahlin's game where you're like, eh, like the other night when yep. uh, jo- jo- Yoel Armia took the puck away from him and fired into the zone, into the zone, into the net. Um, and that's not the only one, but that's the first one I can think of that comes to the top of my head. But he's made quite a few of those errors this year to where uh, when watching him last year, you kind of thought that was He outgrew it. With. Yeah, you thought he outgrew it. Right. Completely agree with that. I, I, I That has been, I think, maybe one of the, and maybe I'm using this word a little too harshly, but one of the most disheartening things that I've seen from him is that it does feel like we're back to some of the struggles of 2021, 2022, or 21-22 Darlene under Kruger, where yeah. it felt like in certain instances maybe he's forcing it a little bit too much. Maybe his game isn't... Um, I don't know if I want to say it not as like freewheeling as it needs to be, but there's not... I don't know. I feel like with Darlene, and I'm not just trying to kind of use like buzzwords or, or whatever here, but I it feels you. like he... For him to, to thrive, there needs to be like a good balance between like structure and control and him just doing his thing. Yeah. Like he needs to have a little bit of that controlled chaos in his game, and it seems like it's just been like sloppy a little bit. I don't know. Am, am I overshooting I that a little bit, or I don't think so. I do think it's more himself induced this time rather mm. than just coach induced. Yeah. Um, and I think Don's a good enough coach to know that 
he's going to figure it out because Dalene keeps playing 26 or so minutes a night. Yep. He's heavily dependent upon, and I w- do wonder, uh, you were, I think the Sabres had it on the graphic the other night or something, that uh, Dalene and Power are two of the most, they have, they play the most minutes in the NHL. I think they're the top two of them. I think think we were together. We might have been hanging out. Yeah. So, uh, I think the Sabres have always struggled in that department in which they've relied on one or two guys too much. Rasmus Ristolainen is a humongous poster boy for that. Poster man. I don't know. What do you say? Tire flipper. Boys. Yeah. Anyway. Doesn't matter. Um... So I feel like they need to figure out how they can manage minutes maybe better back on the back end yeah. so that, you know, Dowling and Power don't have as many opportunities to make errors. And I think we don't consider that that's a big portion of it is they're out there so much so there's more opportunities out there for them to make those mistakes. That's a great point. Before we get to the ad, Taylor, do you feel as though the deployment that power and Darlene are getting in terms of like the the minutes that they're eating night to night is that maybe a reflection of a lack of faith in the rest of the defense group or is it just he's trying to lean on his best guys or both I think it's a at least partially a lack of faith yeah because Mm. it was a another bad offseason in that regard and clearly they don't want to trust Ryan Johnson to play a million minutes so far but you really can't trust that third pairing very much at all so it makes sense that they want one of those guys on the ice all the time. I don't think that's necessarily the worst thing in the world, but coming from a point of desperation, it it makes it worse. Uh, I'd love to see the minutes breakdown of Colorado a couple years ago when they won the Cup to see, like, because their third pairing was good, but they had some of the best defensemen in the world. They have Kel right. McCarr. He was a Conn Smythe winner. They have Gerard. Had Gerard. They have Devin Tays. Mm-hmm. Like, but they also Manson, had, they had I, I, Johnson. Yeah, like they, had, Johnson they had a different <laughs> Eric Johnson. Yeah, yeah. Uh, same name, different guy. Right. Uh, and your and, boy, your boy, Jack Johnson. We can't forget too. Your favorite player. Oh my god, I forgot about him. <laughs> but they had Manson as well. Like, they did. So they like, did. It's, him up. it's good to have guys you can trust in the third pair. The Sabers don't. And Bowen Byron, we didn't even mention either. Oh my god, Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah, that's that's. <laughs> yeah, probably should have mentioned him. Um, so yeah, let's just get to our ad real quick. Let's do it. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. We know hockey games move fast, but with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you can score faster than anything happening on the ice. This week, new customers can bet five bucks to get two hundred dollars instantly in bonus bets. So if you're listening to this on Monday, big game in the NHL tonight. Two of the best teams from either conference, and. It's in Colorado, which is why they're the favorite. The people out in Vegas, the odds makers, think this will be pretty close. Colorado's only a minus 130 favorite. So, you know, interesting if you're if you're trying to get in on that action. What you got to do is download the DraftKings Sportsbook app with promo code THPN. New customers bet just 5 bucks on the NHL and get 200 instantly bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY at 467-369. Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 and over, but age will vary by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash hockey terms for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2024. All rights reserved. 
All right, we are back, folks. Let's talk a little bit of World Juniors right now as the tournament had just wrapped up and three Sabres walked away with medals in this one with Noah Ostlin and Anton Wahlberg earning silver medals with Team Sweden and Yuri Kulik earning a bronze medal with the Czechs. It was a really impressive effort by those three guys, particularly in the case of Ostlund for Sweden and Yuri Kulik for, for, for the Czechs. Ostlund, of course, as I mentioned before, they end up losing the gold medal game. However, he was named the player of the game for Sweden in this one. He had an assist and 10 shot attempts. Wow. We like that. Ostlund ended up having a really, really great World Juniors. He had 10 points, 3 goals, and 7 assists in 7 games played, averaging 2016 of ice time per game. And man, oh man, we got to give some props to Yuri Kulik here. Unbelievable effort in the bronze medal game as they were down 5-2 to Finland late in the second period, and they end up coming back to win 8-5 with Kulik contributing Two goals and two assists, which ultimately ended up netting him an appearance, I shouldn't say an appearance, a spot on the media all-star team for the tournament. So really, really encouraging stuff there. Also, shout out to USA for taking home another gold medal there. We love to see that. But it was a really great tournament for those three, or for those two, we can say specifically, in the in the form of Oslin and Yuri Kulik here. Guys, I don't know how much we were following along here, but just I think let's talk big picture. What does it mean for these two high-end prospects, these two high-end pieces for the Sabres to have such a strong and commanding performance in this tournament. Not bad. <laughs> definitely not bad. I know a lot of people, I saw a lot of takes that it's hard to get excited for prospects given how long we've been cheering for prospects and hoping for the future and all of that. Of course. I'm right here. <laughs> <laughs> and, and people are right. I feel that just as much. But I guess the thing to say is it does beat the alternative. Like if we were watching that in Osland and Kulik... Oh yeah, we're like terrible. I do agree. It's it's hard to get really excited about World Juniors at this stage. But I did want to shout out our guest from last week, Chris Baker. <laughs> I also want to because Chris very very fairly took a nice little victory lap. I ended up getting a message from him Friday night after Ostland. I believe that was in the uh, the semifinal game when he had that ridiculous. Uh, I think it was a was it a shootout or was it a penalty shot goal breakaway goal the one where he hit the dab after oh, yeah. <laughs> unbelievable but Chris ends up sending me a message mid game do you see what I was saying about Osland so <laughs> very fair on that one C carry on with the shot yes for Chris. those who didn't listen to the episode uh, he said he valued Osland as much if not more than Savoy and Kulik and that probably raised some eyebrows just because you know those guys are around we've seen them mm -hmm. and Osland you know we haven't seen he's over in another continent. But yeah, great tournament for him. That's that's awesome. And you know, Kulik just continuing to do what he's done, you know, the past year and a half or so it seems. The way I, yeah, the way I see it, the the more Sabres prospects do well in these tournaments and everything, like the better it is for your future prospects, whether they end up playing for you or not. Because all these guys having good tournaments means they have good press around them they have good scouting on them mm -hmm. scouts are gonna like them and raising their know, profile exactly yeah. and i mean part of part of our issue with kevin adams is his uh i don't want to call it his inability he just hasn't done it yet <laughs> no do it <laughs> he hasn't done it yet but he has plenty of pieces to work with in order to make this team better at this point uh, more than free agency. The draft is a great thing, 
And I feel like since I've been like blah, tired of prospects attitude about it, I mean, once you kind of get over that, you do realize that like they should still help you eventually in some capacity. Sure. hundred percent. Also want to give a shout out to, to Maxim Serbak for Slovakia. Unreal performance, had a goal and six assists in for seven points in five games on the blue line there for Slovakia. So very, very uh, exciting stuff to see a good performance there. And I'm really, really looking forward to seeing how the rest of his season at Michigan State is going to go. Uh, and again, maybe we end up seeing him coming out and being in Rochester next year as uh, another good piece along the blue line and a, a very important right-handed shot piece at that, I should say. That being said, fellas, we are currently huddled up in my apartment right now, minutes away from game time between the Bills and the Dolphins. Division title on the line, playoff spot already locked up. How are we feeling, guys? I feel good. I feel great going into this. Bills yeah. are healthy. Dolphins really aren't. Yeah. Should be good. Teach? I mean, I've, I've felt great since 4 o'clock about everything. So There we go. Well said. Well said. Well, before we wrap up here, Teach, as we always love to do with our guests, I believe we've had the, the pleasure of doing this every time you've been on. Tell the people where they could find you online, where they can find you with your work with WGR, all that fun stuff. Uh, let's see. You can find me on Twitter, because that's what I still call it. Amen. At Steady Riot. Uh, most other things, I believe it's TLUCK81 for user usernames and stuff. I don't care. Come find me. And, do what you want. Right. I don't really do much writing for GR or anything. I mean, I'll plug GR as a station. You know, we do the pregame show. I get to hang out with Brian and Pat all the time, so that's cool. And then the other thing I want to plug is, uh, been doing a lot of work with Stress Dolls. Uh, we have a lot, uh, that's the band that I'm in with Chelsea. I believe our I pal Chelsea, of course. Yeah, yeah. We did have a song come out recently, so there's that. Uh, what about show wise? You playing show out wise? Show? I believe we have stuff coming in February. I don't have any of it in front of me, but uh, Stress Dolls band, you can find stuff typically. So yeah, just wanted to plug that, and I think that's it. Yeah. Love that. All right, there we go. Well, TJ, as always, my friend, it is a goddamn pleasure having you join us for another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites. Whatever streaming platform you're currently using to listen to this episode, make sure you're checking out all of our fellow shows. And you're following both the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also find us, Straight Up Sabres. And before you close out of this app, whatever you're using to listen to this episode of Straight Up Sabres, make sure you're subscribed or following us, and we would very much appreciate if you'd leave us a nice little rating or review on your streaming platform of choice. Last but not least, folks, we have our wonderful sponsor. Oh, don't we love them? We love our sponsors, folks. That would be DraftKings Sportsbook. Use that promo code THPN to take advantage of great deals. We'll be back with a brand new episode on Thursday. Go Bills, everybody. This has been Straight Up Sabres. Straight Up Sabres.